Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. In light of COVID-19, our regularly scheduled 9 and 11 a.m. Sunday services are currently suspended. During this time, we will live stream our 11 a.m. Sunday morning service and plan to offer other online connection points throughout the week. You can find us on Facebook or visit www.rockpoint.org for more information, including important schedule updates. I'm going to talk to you today real quickly on the subject of our refuge. And I want to talk to you out of a passage of Psalm 46. And then I want to give you the backstory of how this formed and how one of the most significant hymns that was ever written um, came out of this whole process. So Psalm 46 reads like this. It just says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river, note that, whose streams make glad the city of God, note that, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Note that one too. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Note that. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's wrought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This psalm was written very probably after a very significant event in Israel's history. It was 701 B.C., and for nearly 30 years, the nation of Assyria, not Syria, but the nation of Assyria, had been the reigning superpower. And a guy named Sennacherib, um, who was the Syrian king, had begun moving south and, and over towards Israel. Now, the Assyrians were particularly a vicious people. These people were known for their violence. There is a, a picture we have of, uh, of, of Sennacherib at one point in time with his wives hanging out eating grapes. And in the distance, you see a grove of trees with all his opponents beheaded and hanging upside down. Um, not only were the armies violent of Assyria, but they're also masters of psychological warfare. They were the masters of fear and intimidation and so as they start to move down into the nation of Israel, this becomes a serious threat um, for the country to deal with. These scary, terrifying, um, powerful beings moving down on the country. And Hezekiah is the king. And as we look into the scripture in 2 Chronicles 32, it's also spoken of in 2 Kings and in the book of Isaiah, who was a prophet with Hezekiah at this time. Here's the interesting thing, to me at least. Um, in the prior chapter, it says that Hezekiah was doing great things for God. He had torn down the places of pagan worship, and he was doing some things that were significantly right and good. And the passage ends with saying how good he's doing, and then it opens up with the 32nd chapter saying, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, comes and invades Judah. 
Doesn't that suck? I mean, just about the time that, you know, you think you're doing everything right, everything that you're supposed to be doing, and for no other good reason other than just that's how twisted world works, something happens that, that invades your world and impacts it. So as this powerful, violent king is moving down into um, Israel to do damage, there's several things that Hezekiah does. Uh, first, he consults with other leadership. Then he works very hard to shore up the defenses of Jerusalem. And then he does something particular. He, he says that why should the enemies of Israel profit from the water supply? And so he goes out and blocks up all the water supply outside of Jerusalem and the surrounding area. He then digs a tunnel that's several, like 500 plus meters, that he digs a tunnel even to this day. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. And he digs through that to access a spring to bring that inside the city walls. The end result when he's done is that he has um, sufficient water supply and that anybody who kind of shows up on this ends up not having any water. And so having done that, having secured all of this, the Assyrians show up and they lay siege. Now there's nothing more ugly than a siege on a city because what that means is that all food supplies are cut off. The people are under intense psychological pressure and emotional pressure. They're locked up in their homes. Ring any bells? They're surrounded by what seems to be enemy forces. In addition to all of this, um, Sennacherib begins to work his, his psychological warfare. And so he sends one of his key guys to start to talk to the people on the city walls. And he says this, on what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? Now, earlier, Hezekiah had actually gathered the people together and he said to them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And it says the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. But now the armies are surrounding. Now they're under siege. And now these masters of fear and manipulation start to speak to the people. And what are you basing your confidence, they say, that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When Hezekiah says, quote, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, unquote, he's misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. He gives a long speech I won't go into. He says, don't you know what I've done to other people? Their gods thought they would save them, but I destroyed them, and their gods were destroyed too. How much less will your God, he says, deliver you from my hand? He says, just as the gods of the peoples of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them, it says, and to make them afraid in order to capture the city. And they spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world. The work, the scripture says, of human hands, not of, of reality. And so this, this back and forth psychological warfare goes on and the siege extends and people are locked up and penned in. But then Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, they cry out to God in prayer. And the scripture tells us that the Lord sent an angel and he annihilated the Assyrian camp overnight, overnight, 
Almost 200,000 soldiers were killed. Now, it says the angel of the Lord did it. How he did it, we don't know. Some have postulated that a plague suddenly came, like the bubonic plague carried by mice into the camp. Others have said that possibly cholera erupted because they didn't have sufficient water supplies because of Hezekiah's actions. And so they had a plague that hit their land and they were wiped out. And so Sennacherib retreats from the city. It's interesting because later there is a, um, uh, an archaeological item that is discovered that lists all the conquests of Sennacherib. It lists all the cities that he conquered and it mentions Jerusalem, but it never mentions that it was conquered just that it was under siege. Of all the cities listed, Jerusalem's the only one that's listed as not having fallen to this king. This king who stands against God and rebukes God and his people, who attempts to lay siege and pen people in, but they consulted, they talked among themselves, they, they took action, they built up the defenses, they gathered a proper water supply for themselves. And then finally, God acts on their behalf. And so Sennacherib, the Assyrian, master of fear and intimidation and violence, has to retreat, and the city is saved. And it's only a 20 years later or so that this great, powerful, violent king is murdered as he is in worship at his own temple before his own false god by his own son. It is in the context of this that you need to read this psalm that we just looked at because it is believed that this psalm was written in part as a response to God's presence and the victory that was given to Jerusalem at this time. And so if you put it into the eyes of those who'd been um, besieged and, and locked up and attacked and assaulted, see if this now doesn't begin to change something for you. God is our refuge and strength. The title of our message today is Our Refuge. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a refuge and a strength that is ever-present in help and trouble. It doesn't matter what that is, what the circumstances are, and they haven't changed with the current scenario. But the people of Jerusalem, it would have been particularly fresh for them that God is their refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble that they had literally hidden in Him and that He had provided for them goes on and says, Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we're not going to be afraid because we trust God and the words of Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, and we're not going to listen to this manipulator and this intimidator and this violent pagan man. And then this line here, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God was Jerusalem. It, it can refer to heaven, but in this case, it meant Jerusalem. In the midst of all that's going on, they have an active water supply. We talked about this last week, that living water that Jesus talked about of who he was. And here they're referencing this water that sustained them. They didn't have the disease hit them because they had this active water supply. And it made glad Jerusalem the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. And then God will help her at break of day. If you remember, it was at night that the illness struck in such a way or reached this high point that it was in the morning at the break of day that they see that the army of the enemy has been devastated. The break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. 
He lifts his voice, the earth melts, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob, and this is very important that, that if you're just tuning in and you're, you're not a, a, a member here and all, that you realize that we follow the God of, of not just the air and, and whatever we feel like and however we design or choose to. We follow specifically the God of Scripture, the God who is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the God who came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. This is who we worship. This is whose name that we call upon. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth as they went outside the city walls and saw how the enemy had been wiped out and, and separated. This line now, he makes war cease, has meaning because these people now saw that the war was over. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then this line that, that you may have heard before and that to me is a fantastic line, but, but I want you to break it down a little more for you today. He says, be still, and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. And we take this to mean that we should get quiet, and, and that's true, and that we should be still and meditate upon the things of God, and that's true. But in the context of what Jerusalem had gone through, when this is being said, be still, you need to realize that this was written in the context of a time of trouble and a time of war. Therefore, we have to kind of reconsider what this means. Now, the passage can mean, also means to cease striving or stop fighting and know that I am God. One person interprets it as they look into the language that it's, it's actually a command more to us that, that goes like this, snap out of it, wake up. Stop fearing. Acknowledge who your God is and be in awe of him. Snap out of it. You're transfixed by what these guys are saying while we stand on the walls. You're, you're caught up with being pent in. You're caught up with the fear and, and all the intimidation and psychological warfare going on and God says, snap out of it. Be still and know that I'm God. That I am your refuge. I am your strength. That I will provide for you that I'm always there and present with you. Lord Byron wrote a poem, and I won't give you the entire poem. You can look it up. It's called The Destruction of Sennacherib. And I'll just read a few things here just to give you the snapshot. He says in this poem, The Assyrian came down like the wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold. And the sheen of their spears were like stars on the sea when the blue wave rolls nightly on deep Galilee. But then he goes on to what transpires in the morning. He says, like the leaves of the forest when summer is green, that host with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves of the forest when autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strown. And there lay the rider distorted and pale with the dew on his brow and the rust on his mail and the tents were all silent and the banners alone. The lances unlifted, the trumpet unblown. And the widows of Asher, which is Assyria, are loud in their wail and the idols are broke in the temple of Baal. And the mighty of the Gentile unsmote by the sword, they weren't touched by a sword, hath melted like snow in the glance of the Lord. 
What he's saying to us in this passage is saying that he is our refuge. He is our fortress. That whatever is chattering in your ear, whatever enemy attempts to distract or to, to mess with your head during the season of time, that with that, snap out of it. Be still. Know who your God is. Know that he's present with you. Know that in the same way that he provided for Israel, he'll provide also for you. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the passage ends by saying, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is our fortress or our refuge. He's our fortress, our refuge. Now, before we begin to wrap this up in a minute or two, I want to draw one other thing to your mind because there's a note here that is referenced that, um, that is linked here. When he's saying, be still and know that I am God, be still, and he's revealing that he's God, this same phrase is used in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 41. Refresh your memory for a minute. The, 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 the whole gang was in a boat and they're going across the Sea of Galilee when a storm pops up and it's terrifying them. These storms are sudden and they're violent on Galilee. And so they're terrified, the disciples. But the scripture in Mark chapter 4 says that Jesus basically was in the stern in the back end of the boat and he's sleeping through the whole thing. Uh, honestly, I love storms. When there's rain and, and that type of thing, I love sleeping in it. It helps me to sleep better. I don't know why that is. I've always had some kind of a little sound going on. And when you have that storm, there's just a steady rhythm maybe of it. But either way, Jesus is asleep while everyone else is freaking out. And it says that they woke him and said, Teacher or Rabbi, do you not care that we're going to die here basically? And in verse 39, it says, He awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Listen, he says, Peace. Be still. Be still. It's the same be still, the same language that we see in Psalm 46 where he's saying, be still and know that I am God. And here he's saying, peace, be still. And the wind and the wave ceased and there's great calm. And he said, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And they're filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They become aware of his divinity. They become aware of who he is. In 46 to Jerusalem, he says, be still, snap out of it, stop listening to those other voices. Know that I'm God and that I'll be exalted. And then Jesus comes, God in the flesh, and he says again, be still to the winds and the waves. And they're quieted and they know that he is God and they realize who he is. He doesn't just say be still. He says peace. Peace is something that we have a right to as believers of God. It is something that we have available to us as followers of God. This is an insane time. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's going to get probably worse before it gets better. That's what we're seeing and understanding. But we as a church have always talked about following God regardless of whether we feel blessed or hindered. We've never been one that said he's only the God of peace and prosperity. We've said he's also the God of suffering and, and heartache. If you've listened closely over the years to our teaching, then, then you are prepared to know that even in the difficult times, particularly in those difficult times, that he's with you. 
that he doesn't fail or walk away in these times. Martin Luther, the original, not our Martin Luther King, the one he was named after uh, in the 1500s, there was a great plague that we mentioned before that had entered Wittenberg, and he stayed and he ministered in that time using wisdom and, and, and certain guidelines that we would employ here today, but he ministered in that time. And as he was ministering, this psalm, the 46, became very, very important and very real to him. And just a few years after this plague had happened, and possibly as a response to it, he wrote this hymn, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, a fortress that never fails, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. He admits in his song, we did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of angel armies, his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle and as a result, Luther concludes in this song, based on this psalm that was based on the invasion of Jerusalem and hemming in by Sennacherib, Luther concludes, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. When I was a kid, I was fascinated with fortresses. And one time we built a little one made of cement blocks that had been discarded. We stacked all these cement blocks up, but we never had any mortar attached to it. There was just the blocks. And I thought we had this perfectly massive fortress. And when we were playing with other kids one day, someone put a stick against it and the walls caved in because they weren't glued. They weren't mortared together. They looked great, but they were nothing really in, in the place of things. There are a lot of things that we take hold of in our country that lists and looks great. But God is the only refuge that sustains and holds. And we are told that we as a church are, are stones that are put together, fitted together in a way that we connect to one another, that we are his temple. And so while this place is empty physically right now, the church of Jesus Christ is full. And you are part of that wherever you're at. Nothing separates us from the love of God. In a moment, I'm going to have one of our vocalists sing a song that she's sung before, but, but right now, maybe it has more meaning and more understanding to you than ever before that you would know that this is a time to get quiet, to recognize God's peace in the midst of the storm. And so as she sings this, I would leave one scripture to plant in your heart and mind as you consider God as your refuge. And that's what Jesus said in chapter 14 of the book of John, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That's my promise. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. God is our refuge and strength. God is your refuge and your strength. 
and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river, there is a water whose stream makes glad the city of God. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Be still. Know that I am God. Lord Almighty is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. He is your refuge. Sennacherib disappeared in the dust of time. Jerusalem still stands. And you can go there and you can actually go through the tunnel of Hezekiah, 1,500 some feet dug as he dug down to give that water. In this season, I encourage you, dig deep. Seek the things of God. We can come out of this stronger than when we began it. Be aware of those around you and the ways that you can minister. Don't listen to the intimidation, the fears that come. Don't focus on that. I want to pray with you this morning, wherever you're at. Whether you're in Virginia right now or Georgia or Arizona or just Clinton Township and Sterling Heights. Father, I pray right now as people are struggling with, with a sense of unease and disturbance and fear, there's, there's a sense of weakness and vulnerability that God, as they put their trust in you, that, that nothing can happen that can touch their souls, Lord God. That as they seek you now and find refuge in you, that there would be a sense of peace that would come upon their heart and mind that you promised. You are for us, God, even in this time. Strengthen and encourage, I pray, and raise your church and your people. And Lord, we pray right now for our country and for its leaders. We pray for our governor. Lord, I lift up to you all the physicians, all the doctors, all the EMTs, all the people and nurses, Lord, that are struggling so hard to serve right now during this time. Give them added strength and encouragement. And Lord, let us find a sense of humor. Let us find a sense of joy and, and gentleness, even in the pressure of this time that we may say kind words and encourage one another. We commit these things into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we'll continue to live stream, and there are devotions that are going out every day that if you'll tune in, you can take hold of those. For the youth and the children, things are continuing on, and we're going to be rallying people to minister as we're going forward, too. That's already begun. So keep your eyes open. Keep your ears alert. Be ready for what God's going to be doing in this season and time in you and through you. But don't ever forget your refuge. Be still. Wake up. Know that God is in control. We'll see you next week.